So today is a very special day. I'm actually really excited for what we're going to experience because if you've been around City Branch for any time at all, it doesn't take you long to realize that there's a whole lot of uh, creativity going down around here. We have a whole lot of uh, artists, and no matter what your definition is for artists, uh, we have writers and painters and creatives and musicians and artists all over the place. And so whether that's you or whether you're just a creative person that puts your mind to work during the day. God has blessed us here at City Branch with a community of artists uh, in one way or another, and it has always been and will continue to be our, our goal and our value to nurture that culture, to celebrate the creativity that God has given us as a church and in every aspect of our ministry. And if I'm honest, I can't say that I'm responsible for that. God is ultimately responsible for that. But I, if, if I'm also honest, I believe that a lot of the creative energy that has been in our church for the past several years has been in large part due to our worship coordinator, Paul, who has done an incredible job with that. Paul has done an incredible job uh, encouraging so many of you and no matter what walk of life you're from. And so I'm really excited to have Paul uh, come and share today um, about the topic of creativity, about the topic of being an artist no matter what walk of life you're in, and that ultimately we are to embrace our creativity and our creative nature uh, by God. And I think that you're going to have a little bit of fun along the way. So welcome Paul up. Good morning, everyone. You didn't know what you were getting into when you came here this morning, I'm afraid. Well, the name of this uh, service is, the name of the sermon is called Color My World. And so I decided to take that very literally. And you will find underneath each of your chairs a map of the world. You know, kind of your general Mercator projection. And... If you don't, we do have more over on the welcome table. You'll also conveniently find crayons near where you're sitting, either in a box or some individual crayons. So what I'm asking you to do this morning is to relax, and this isn't just for kids. This is for adults, too. You also may notice that you're sitting in, in kind of pods again a little bit. We've got, we've got the uh, – during the Lenten season, we had uh, – kind of small group sections, and so you might feel a little bit, hey, I'm really connected to, I'm kind of sitting in more of a curved semicircle with a lot of people. So uh, we're going to have little bits of discussion and creativity, so these are the people you're supposed to share the crayons with. Please share the crayons. Um, please don't break the crayons. Please, please, please don't eat the crayons. I cannot be held responsible. So feel free to color throughout the service as I speak. That's okay if you're not looking up here. I believe that you're listening because I think that the coloring will help drive home one of my points. I'm going to give you all the points that I'm going to talk about this morning right away so you can identify them as we hit them throughout, uh, throughout our discussion this morning. First of all, God is creative. God is creative. That's my first point. Second, we were created to be like God, in, in God's likeness. Third, by definition, by that definition, we all are creative in some way. And so, fourth, as we grow in God's image, we use our creativity for God's glory and goodwill. So we've heard one account from Genesis of God's creation, but I'm going to read you a few more things that will uh, tell us about God's creative character. So at the beginning of John, there's some very, the book of John, it's uh, about uh, 
three quarters of the way through the Bible, and there's some very poetic language. It starts out this way. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And I'm also going to read a little bit out of the book of Colossians, starting in chapter 1, verse 15. And it says this, talking about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So here, if you've been listening to any of the scripture this morning, with the Genesis or the John or the Colossians, we, we understand this. We have a God who is a maker. We have a God who is a visionary, a transformer, taking something and changing it into something else, a speaker of new worlds. Sometimes I like to think God sang the universe into existence. He just now we will have a universe. It'll be really great. You'll like it. And he conquered the chaos and he created order. We have a colorful God who overcomes stark emptiness with the magnificence of creation. So all that has been made, all that's ever been dreamed of, all the cosmic drama of the stars and the cosmos, the galaxies, all the wonders of physics and math, life and all our study of science bows down to this creative God, this three-in-one, this mysterious God, who, when people say, what's your name, God? He says, I am who I am, and that's who I am. Yet he becomes personal enough to meet us through the earthly life of Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, and through the indwelling counselor, the Holy Spirit. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. Boy, was it good. But wait, there's more. We heard this this morning already. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God made humanity. And what we'll find as we look at this is the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. If you're not a native English speaker, maybe that doesn't make sense. But what that means is uh, as we look at uh, genetics or heredity, apples fall from apple trees, and then another apple tree will shoot up. Right next to the other one, it'll look a lot like the other one. It carries the genetic code, so it has a lot of the likeness. If any of you have children, you might say they're not like you, but believe it or not, they probably are. In Genesis 5, in talking about his son Seth, Adam's son Seth, his third son after Cain, Abel, Seth, uh, it said that he was in Adam's likeness. And the word used there is the exact same word that was used when God said, and I will make them in my likeness. They'll be like my kids. They'll bear a lot of my image. So as children bear the likeness of parents, so we bear the image of God. So when God made Adam, he said, 
You're going to be like me in the image of God, the Imago Dei. So how we bear the image of God is usually broken into three categories. And you can look at this as substance. That's kind of what we're made of and what's very essential to our character. And so some of the things that, in, in ways that we bear the substance of God is we have free will. We have reason and we're spiritual beings. Now, God is also a relational God and in God's image, we understand God is in community through the Trinity and with his creation. So we are also relational people. Look, we're all here. We came together to be with God, to be with each other. What a wonderful time. And lastly, function. The things we do, in a lot of ways, God asks us to be the things God does. So we steward the earth. We're creators ourselves. We're creative people. And we use our creativity to do God's good work on earth. So in this area of function, we really find our call to be creative children of God, and we use our creativity to do God's good work on earth. How's the coloring going? Is it going well? If you're not coloring, we're going to use it later, so I, I encourage you, color, and like I said, there are more sheets over there. So in Genesis 2.19, we have one of Adam's first job descriptions. And this is an interesting one. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave name to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper. So what was one of Adam's first jobs? All these animals brought before him in some way, we don't know, and he was supposed to, you know, he had a whole bunch of hello, my name is tags, and he had to be like, well, I don't know about you. What should I call you? So this is going to be our first exercise. Take a step back in time with me. And Josh, you can go to the next slide, and you can start the music. With the people in your pod, I'm going to give you a minute or two, a couple minutes here, and we're going to look at some unusual animals. And I want you to discuss, if you didn't know the name for this animal, what would you call it? Exercise your creative gift this morning. Tell the people around you. Come on, I want to hear some discussion. So, all right, all right, all right. What do you, what do you do with these? I don't know. It's not as easy as it looks, is it? We understand from the scripture that God-centered creativity is good, and this is what God desires from us. In fact, we see this. One of the first jobs is naming the animals, and so after Adam named the animals and he didn't find a suitable helper in the bunch, God got creative again. And he matched Adam with Eve, and then they lived happily ever after. Mm, not so much. Uh, so, and then the fall happened. And we see a lot of that in our, in our lives today, in, in the world around us. And it's, it's uh, easy to recognize, because when Adam and Eve colored outside the lines that God had given them, they experienced separation from God. And sin entered humanity through their prideful disobedience and through our prideful disobedience. And it shattered our likeness of God, leaving spiderweb cracks in our human nature. You see that picture right there. It's, you can still see the image, but it's broken. So this, uh, this touches everything. In the cracks we find lies. In the cracks we find brokenness and pain and rejection. And because of the deceiver, because the devil is not a creator, the devil is a, the devil is a 
a distorter. We get this distorted Imago Dei. We get a distortion of the image of God. So I wonder, have you ever seen paintings by the artist Salvador Dali? You have that? There's one right there. That's what I think of when I think of distorted because in all of his, most of his paintings you see these droopy clocks and these, kind, these things that seem recognizable and you think you know what it is, but it seems broken in some way. It seems a little creepy. A lot of his art seems, is very unsettling in a way. It's, we say when we look at it, that something just doesn't seem right about that. And that's, in a lot of ways, what has happened to our creative nature. So too often, as humans, we don't use our creativity for God's purposes. We disconnect from our creator and we experience this pain and rejection. And our creative nature becomes wounded. We devise innovative methods of torture or cursing or destruction or profanity. And our creativity is distorted. It's broken. It's twisted. Our imago Dei fades. God's image is still there, but it's blurred, it's covered by sin, and our colors fade. So in this, we need healing. We need restoration. We need grace. And thank God he was creative enough to create that. In his kindness, God leads us to repentance, and in this repentance, healing begins. This is the Christian life. We're comforted, our lens is refocused, the smudge is worked out, our likeness is restored. And so our joy is made complete as spiritual fruit grows in our lives. And our capacity as creators, good creators, returns. King David was known in the Old Testament as one of the great kings, but often we forget one of the really amazing things about him was his creativity. Now, David was a songwriter, He's a very creative songwriter. He left behind a whole bunch of psalms or songs. He's bigger than the Beatles, I believe. So in Psalm 16, David says this, and he, he recognizes a lot about his creative nature. He says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take upon, take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's Psalm 16. Now, I have heard this, and I expressed in a number of ways. I've been in a lot of churches, and I've seen this. Many people say, I'm not creative. And I think that's a lie. I'm not trying to get in your face, but I do think that in a way we've been deceived and that lie must be removed from the church because everyone is creative in some way. It's in our nature and it's part of our image. I see a lot of you coloring here and that's creative. You might think, well, it's just coloring. No, it's creative. You bear the image of the creator. You are creative. So it might look different than how the world defines creativity, but God says you're creative and wants to heal the wounds that are brought on by the lies of the world. God wants to grow your creative gifts for the glory of God. So 
someone who knew a lot about creativity, he was not a Christian, and if, in fact, in a lot of ways, he might have been anti-Christian, was Pablo Picasso. And he understood creativity in a great way. He said, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. Amen to that, huh, Picasso? So how many of us have abandoned a creative calling because we've been put down? You can't draw, you can't sing, you can't do that. We've been told we're not good enough. Well, I've got a question. Good enough for what? Because I don't know too many golfers who go out and golf with the intention of joining the PGA. I know golfers, believe it or not, who just like to play golf. Yes. And some of you would say it was good. I would say, eh, but a lot of you would say golf is good. So how many local musicians are planning to win a Grammy or live off of their local musicianship? Not many. Why do they do it? Why do we do these things that aren't leading in some kind of professional manner, leading us to glory and fame and money and celebrity? I think we are made to simply enjoy the gifts God has given us. Can we grow our gifts for God's sake and for the joy they bring, not for the things they might bring us? Can we be passionate amateurs? Can we enjoy cooking without trying to be the next celebrity chef? I hope so. Can we take joy in that? Can we see that that's a gift and that is a gift of creativity and that should not be put down and should be used for the glory of God? So some of you this morning might need to receive healing and I would ask you to submit perhaps the fear of failure to God because God's perfect love drives out fear. So if you have an element of creativity that you've abandoned or you think might be there but you're afraid to share, please, please let it out. So here's, an oppor- here's another opportunity to let it out. You might notice there wasn't just one sheet under most of your, your, your chairs. There's a second sheet. And sometimes the hardest place to start is at the beginning. And so what I've done is I've started some drawings for you. They've already begun. So what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to have some more music. We're going to take another exercise intermission here. Josh, you can cue that up. I'm going to ask you to take a pen or a crayon and just work on, work on some drawings here. Um, Take the piece of paper and pick one of the boxes or a couple of the boxes and continue the drawing where the lines have left off. You feel free to draw outside the box or on the back side of the box. Just let the pen or the crayon guide you. Don't worry about drawing anything good. Just have fun. I love this. You guys are a creative bunch. Now, I'm going to keep talking, but please keep drawing, keep coloring, keep enjoying what it is to draw. So as you continue to draw, I'm going to talk about something called multiple intelligences as it relates to Imago Day. Multiple intelligences is an educational theory that says maybe IQ isn't the only way to judge smartness. And so it, uh, it's not an entirely fleshed out uh, theory, but I think it's a good place for us to start in terms of coming up with categories, understanding where might God have put a unique smartness, a unique intelligence, a unique creative gifting in you, because a lot of times... Once again, we put ourselves down. We've heard the lies of the world that say, you're not smart, you're not good enough, you can't be creative. So let's take a look at these multiple intelligences. And so think about these as I read them off, whether you might find a particular area of the, that's listed here intriguing 
or exciting, or you might feel like you have a gift. Musical, musical gifts, musical intelligence. Intrapersonal, which means inside yourself, meaning are you good at relating to yourself? Can you take a step back and think within yourself? Can you analyze situations inside yourself? Do you know yourself well? Do you have interpersonal relationships? I have some friends who love to work a room. They walk into a room like this and they say, I'm going to become everybody's best friend. I love everybody here. I want to get to know everybody. And uh, they have interpersonal gifts. They feel joy when they get to, to know uh, everyone here. Logical. This would be like Mr. Spock or maybe uh, Pastor Richard Webb. When I'm with Richard, I feel like I'm hanging out with Wikipedia. It's amazing. The guy's so smart. Linguistic. Some people have a way with words, both in their own language and learning other languages. Kinesthetic, that's body smart. That's athletes, sports people, people who can solve problems physically. Uh, Gymnasts. Sean White, she can solve some problems, huh? Naturalistic. This might be like the crocodile hunter. People who just seem to have a way with nature. They have a gift with animals. Some of you might be cat people. That's a gift, maybe. Uh, and then visual spatial, that would be 3D artists, people who can take something and rotate it in front of them and, and look at a room and, and redesign it and uh, have gifts in that way. So think about these different areas and where you might have an area of giftedness that you didn't expect or maybe wasn't categorized or brought out for you. So you might want to write these down or think about these throughout the week. And maybe people around you will say, hey, you've really got a knack at this or... You know, you've been trying to do this, but boy, you really have a way with people, or you really have a way with pigeons. Who knows? There's a calling for that somewhere, I'm sure. You know, be entrepreneurial, start one. So can you see the likeness of God working in and through you and those around you in one or more of these areas? That's my question to you. And here's an extension of that. Maybe this will help you. The movie Chariots of Fire has a runner, an Olympic runner, who's a historical person, Eric Little, who went on to become a missionary in China. Now, Eric said he felt God's pleasure when he ran. And I think often that God works through our creative intelligences. Have you ever felt God working through that? I think that God's illumination is the source of our inspiration. All God's creative people, which is all of us, Athletes, musicians, metal workers, craftspeople have expressed throughout time the idea of being in the zone. You sink all your putts. All your shots are swoosh three-pointers. You look at a math problem and all of a sudden it just becomes clear. You're in the zone. And so in psychology, this is something that's been studied and it's called uh, creative flow. And it's defined as this, the mental state of operation in which a person in an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement and success in the process of the activity. The hallmark of flow is a feeling of spontaneous joy, even rapture while performing a task. Even rapture, spontaneous joy. This sounds like Bible talk. Historical sources hint that Michelangelo, the painter of the Sistine Chapel, might have painted the ceiling for, of, the, of the Sistine Chapel in that kind of state. It said that he painted for days at a time and he was so absorbed in his work 
that he didn't stop for food or sleep until he pretty much just got exhausted and passed out. He'd pass out and he'd wake up the next day energized, focused, ready to paint again, and back in this focused state of complete absorption. It's the losing yourself. It's that joy of God working through our giftedness. So take a moment and reflect as you're coloring. Have you ever felt God's pleasure? Have you ever felt this joy in your everyday life? Have you been in the zone? Because this might be a way God's saying, you're creative. I put something in you. I want you to work that out. Author and Christian thinker Oz Guinness states this astute observation in his book, The Call. God's creativity transforms life so that even the commonplace and the menial are invested with the splendor of the ordinary. That means we're finding joy in the everyday. And if you've read anything of the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus did this in a lot of incredible ways. He was a visionary creative. Jesus took the everyday events of life and turned them into stories. Now it's said that a story is the shortest distance between two people. And Jesus used that often in his parables, his stories, and his teachings. He took everyday events and said, bam, there it is. So he took all these and turned them into teachable moments. And in that, he instituted the Lord's Supper, what we call communion. A sacred story where we are invited to join. This has been part of the church throughout all time. And in that, that story has come before us and we're asked to enter into that story.